You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tell Ambassadors Jakar and Lando I want to see them in chambers now. Then invite them again as firmly and as politely as you can. Captain, either you snore or last night we had a hell of a breach in the hole. What do I do now? Uh, old style, you roll over and go to bed. New style, you go out for pizza and I never see you again. What's inside there? One moment of perfect beauty. Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week, we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic, Babylon 5. This week, Season 2, Episode 9, The Coming of Shadows. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And And we we are are the the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis. Centauri Emperor Turhan comes to Babylon 5 for a state visit, prompting extreme behaviour from both Shikar and Londo. And Garibaldi encounters a group called... The Rangers. Written by JMS and directed by Janet Greek, this episode was released on February the 1st, 1995, and takes place from June the 13th to June the 17th, 2259. And the guest stars Frederick Lane as Ranger, Malachi Throne, which is a fantastic name, mm-hmm. uh, as Centauri Prime Minister. Jeff Conway as Zach Allen. Not too sure whether he actually turned up in this episode or not. Did we see him? Two seconds. We did. Uh, William Forward, another great name, as Lord Reefer, which is another great name. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Terhe Bay, another great name, as a Centauri Emperor. Michael O'Hare as Ambassador Sinclair. (gasps) Spoilers. Neil Bradley as... Car Mack. He uh, previously appeared as the Purple Drazi. And Ardright Chamberlain as the voice of Kosh. Not exactly a big uh, role this week, but he's in there. So, guys, what did we think of this episode? We're finally getting to the good stuff. So, you like this one? <laughs> I did, as a matter of fact. We're, we're, we're starting to get the intrigue and the uh, political machinations and uh, the shadows. We get to see a lot of that. And uh, it's, it's, it's finally beginning. Yeah, I agree. Dan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that synopsis is so short for the episode, where, whether it's IMDb or anywhere else I've been able to find one, uh, because there's so much that happens in this episode. You get about 20 minutes through and you think, oh, okay, that's the natural conclusion of the episode. You know, everything's fine and they move on from that. No, no, it still keeps on going. Wait a minute. Uh, Malari's just going to send off this this random fleet of uh, shadows to go and destroy. Uh, was it Quadrant? Was it not 41 this time? It's 14 this time. Um, but yeah, now he's going to destroy 14. OK, all right. Well, that's the natural conclusion. It's course, of course, it's going to carry on into the next. No, no, we still keep on going. We're back on the Emperor again. It just there's so much packed into this episode. When you think how much it dragged for the last four episodes and they've really had to pad it out this was just beat after beat after beat you had loads of characters loads of intrigue just brilliant absolutely loved it not to tip my hand on where i'm going to rate this one (laughs) no it is a good episode and uh, let's uh, 
let's get started on it. The, uh, in the first scene, we have the, uh, the Centauri Emperor, uh, who leaves for Babylon 5, and Jakar is not happy that he's coming. Hmm. The Emperor's father was responsible for the execution of 100,000 Narns, even though the current Emperor did nothing. And he has offered concessions and lost territory, but 100 years of hate is hard to reverse. And it, it's, I suppose it's that uh, you know, age-old adage. I mean, if you've had a 100-year war especially, um, you know, do the sins of your father follow you down uh, you know, to, to your reign, even though that you might be trying to reverse that and make things better? Mm. You know, is it possible? Can it be done? Um, I mean, even as you know, as close as the as World War Two, you still have, like some of my parents who were who were born around that time. Um, they didn't, they didn't hold a grudge against the Germans, but certainly my grandfather did because he obviously he lived through that. Um, so I think a couple of generations down the line, and not all is forgiven, but you know, you do, you do not blame you know another person's grandfather for trying to bomb your grandfather. You know, it's mm. It, it doesn't hold on, but the uh, the Narn are a different uh, a different race, so they uh, they like yeah, to they hold grudges. They certainly do. <laughs> yeah, and I what what I liked is that the the emperor he he was old. He knew he was old. He he didn't care about his wig. He was bald, and he was just going to let it all hang out. <laughs> he had nothing left to hide. That's true. That's true. Yes, big up for the bald men. <laughs> um, just say respect there. Uh, that was really fun. But no, historically, it made perfect sense. You know, this this guy who's who's trying to make appeasements, he's trying to be the the revolutionary new emperor. When you look at sort of history, and and for me, I always think of the Centauri. I always think of like Russian revolutionary history and uh, and everything from like Catherine the Great all the way up to uh, the Tsars of Nicholas the Second, all the way to the Russian Revolution. You had one revolutionary, and then you had one who brought it back down to authoritarian, and then back up to revolutionary. And the, that one always got blamed for what the last one did, and that's why they became so unpopular, and that's what led to all of the revolutions. So it, you can completely see this political figure going through all these changes, and everyone him for what his father grandfather and his family have always done um and it it, it was perfect um believable character uh for jacquard to, to hold this kind of grudge and take the the actions that he's about to take yeah that's right lord reefer is giving malari a heads up on the future um and you know he wants he wants him to give a, a speech which basically denounces the emperor and sort of predicts the future a little about you know, his ill health and uh, how he's not going to make it very long, you know, much longer. And uh, who's going to replace him, I wonder? Mm. You can already see the vultures are circling. He's, he just reminded me of Jacob Rees-Mogg. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just something about uh, That might be a reference lost to many of our listeners, but uh, over here in the UK, uh, imagine um, a Victorian MP from all of the historical docudramas okay. And that's basically what we've got today um, in Jacob Rees-Mogg. Uh, he's just an old hat, manipulative, horrible person. And that's exactly what Reefer reminded me of. Yes, yes, you're not wrong there. Yeah, imagine a Victorian gentleman with a tall top hat and you've got uh, Rees-Mogg. Mm, mm. and, and his thinking is about that <laughs> that many years ago as well. Um, so, yeah, but Vera and, and Malari are not happy about, you know, giving the speech and, and the way things are, are looking for the emperor. Um, but the emperor comes aboard and Shakar has a plan. He's going to kill the emperor. Mm-hmm. That's what I had written down here. Lord Rifa has plans. Jakar has plans. Everybody's yes. got plans. 
you've got a plan. You've got a plan. <laughs> Everybody's got a plan. You all get a plan. <laughs> Except for the emperor. He, he, he never had a choice. He only had duty. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it, I, I like the emperor's speech that he gives to us. His speech, not really speech, but his, his monologue to, um, to Sheridan. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was an amazing um, speech. I, I'll insert it here. So much has been lost. So much forgotten, so much pain, so much blood. And for what? I wonder. The past tempts us, the present confuses us, and the future frightens us. And our lives slip away, moment by moment, lost in that vast, terrible in-between. But there is still time to seize that one last fragile moment, to choose something better, to make a difference, as you say. It was a great, a great conversation. That's what I said in my notes. Good chat between Emperor and Sheridan. Mm. It was, and, it was. And in previous episodes, we've seen speeches like this sort of halt the speed of the episode, but it actually played into it and it promoted more of the action beats that were to come as well. So it just, it fed into it. And you'd think that that would be the end of the episode with just the Emperor coming on board. Maybe they'll carry it over next week, but no, it just... It just sort of carried on and it was brilliant. And it was so tragic when, you know, the eventual uh, end comes for this emperor. But Shikard is he's going ahead with his plans and he's writing out his will. I leave the book of Jaquan to Natoth. <laughs> a book? A bloody <laughs> book. I kicked him in the head to save his life once. Got a bloody book. But I like the uh, the, the uh, veiled Centauri women. That he, he, when the uh, the Emperor's uh, still you know, uh, uh, on the homeworld, he's got four of them. But when he arrives, he's only got two. So what's the deal on those veiled Centauri women who follow the Emperor around? Orlando says they're telepaths, raised together since birth. Mm. They're linked 24 hours a day, no matter how far apart they are. What one sees, the others see. And traditionally, when the Emperor leaves, two go with him and two stay behind. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Guarantees that he knows what's going on back home and keeps the royal court up to speed on what he's doing. Which basically, it's like having a long-range communications device. It's like it's like FaceTime. <laughs> yes, <laughs> literally FaceTime. Yeah, mm-hmm. actual FaceTime. Uh, Jacquard makes an appearance at the uh, the reception that the emperor is going to make the speech, and Garibaldi manages to stop an intruder. Mm, you see, doing his job there, stops an intruder. Uh, Delenn spots Shikar acting suspiciously. Yes, he, he was reaching into his rather large, oversized gauntlet to uh, to get something. Mm. Um, but uh, he spots uh, Delenn looking, so he runs off. Uh, the Emperor is on the way to the reception, when suddenly he collapses and is taken to MedLab. But he wants a message uh, to be sent by the doctor. Notice how he didn't take, uh, take him to Franklin's quarters, because obviously that is the closest place <laughs> and well, does have that. a bed. Yeah. Yeah, more about that just, in the next episode. Just saying. There you go. Uh, so Rifa and Malari are uh, deciding what to do. Uh, when Malari remembers, he has friends in high places. Convenient. Mm. And he asks Fear to get Mr. Morton. Dangerous. Do it. Don't, don't, don't take this path. Mm. That's right. Yeah, Fear does try to dissuade him, but Londo wants war with an arms. Find Mr. Morton. Bring him here. Londo, don't do this. I have no choice. Yes, you do. Mondo, please, please, please. I know you don't listen to me, but I'm asking you just this one time, don't do this. There's no turning back once you start down that road. Do I have to go find him myself? 
Yeah, Veer was amazing in this episode. Absolutely enjoyed it. It was just him sort of saying, don't do this. You've always got a choice. Coming into the whole thing of Emperor, having a choice, people having plans, choices versus plans. Oh, just beautiful. Chef's kiss. <laughs> mm-hmm. Agreed. No. No, I'll go. I'll go and I'll bring him back. And someday I'm going to remind you of this conversation. And maybe then, then you'll understand. I understand just fine. By this time tomorrow, we will be at war with the nun. May the great maker forgive me. Yes, but Jacquard is annoyed at the poor timing of the Emperor's condition. You know, I mean, how dare he, uh, he you know, <laughs> almost die on his own? <laughs> And the it was it the indecency to die on his own, and then oh wait a minute, this is Doctor Franklin. If I could just get two minutes with him, I could just pop him up and then slip him. It was just brilliant. It was just wonderful. It was almost like he was in like one of those uh, uh, farcical like seventeenth century plays, and he was just brought in a scene that was randomly there because there was no script that day. So he just thought I'll play it up as like a farcical movement. I'll talk to you later. Just over to the side of his hand because he's got the guy on the screen next to him. Just crazy, but again. Oh, Jakar and just Andreas Katsoulis just being absolutely brilliant all the way through this episode. So, yes, yeah, so the, the Emperor uh, manages to give uh, a message to the Doctor. and He says he wants that to be passed on, but we don't know who he's passing it on to. Turns out he's passing it on to Jakar. And he says the Emperor wanted to apologise for all that the Santari had done to the Narns. And Jakar is, is quite taken aback. He's shocked. Mm-hmm. He suddenly realises that Maybe there is a chance. But Malari is having dreams about his future rise to the Emperorhood and sees his own death at the hands of... Shakar? Does it look like him? Pirate Shakar. Pirate Shakar. Pirate Shakar, yeah. Mm. I did like the hand, the space hand coming out the sun. It was almost very TOS-y. I kind of expected it to be green, holding yeah, on to the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was, it was very reminiscent. Be brilliant if it was Gene Roddenberry's hand. That would really make yeah. it funny. <laughs> but uh, but in the meantime, uh, at the non-con, oh, I, I, why did I write colony that? on in sector fourteen? Why did I write that word down? I know I can't say it. At the non-colony in sector fourteen, all hell is breaking loose. The shadows mm. have arrived. The black hair clips. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hair, hair clips? What, what, what is this hair that you talk about? Yeah, we left well, our hair I, at I've home. Se- I, yeah, I know. I, I've seen women wear them. Oh. Uh, uh, sorry, w- women? What are these? Oh, yeah, that'll be another podcast. Yeah, I'll tell you right. later. Okay. We'll get to that bit. Okay, fair enough. I'll go, I'll actually, I'll ask the doctor. He seems to know a lot about it. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Shikar uh, bumps into Malari um, and... First of all, Malardi's a bit nervous because he knows what happened in Sector 14, but Shikara obviously... I can explain everything! Yes. I can explain everything! <laughs> yes. I'm going to buy you a drink. What? I know. If I'm going to explain everything. How do you explain Sector 14? You cannot explain <laughs> Sector 14. But, uh, yeah, but anyway, but no, but uh, Shikara uh, ha- has high hopes for a brighter future between Narns and Centauri. So he finally thinks that you know it could be a thing. This this could happen, and you know it's the future's bright. The future's non. Mm-hmm. But that look on Peter Jurisic's face when 
he realizes he could have made a different choice. Oh, that was a gut punch. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. But he didn't have, need, need to say anything. It was just the look he gave him. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely love it. And today I've been watching uh, Hill Street Blues. It's you know, the 1980s TV cop show, and I'm trying to catch up on the, um, you know, the, the series. I, I missed the last two series, I think it was, or two seasons. And uh, I've been watching it today, and Peter Jorosek is in the, this episode uh, that I was watching. It's a totally different character. He's like a, a sort of a, a New York Italian sort of, you know, uh, 1980s uh, snitch, should we say, mm-hmm. into all sorts of you know, illegal things. It, but it's really strange because uh, you know it's him. Uh, but he looks totally different because he's got his hair greased back, all slicked back. <laughs> um, and he's obviously a lot younger. But uh, even so, his voice is, is very recognisable. It's... And, but it's, in some respects, he is being malaria all over again because it's uh, mm. you know, he's trying to get out of things and weasel his way around things. It's, uh, it's strange, strange seeing him. So yes, the uh, the fight for Sector Fourteen continues, and the Centauri Prime Minister sadly meets his end. So that's the Emperor and uh, the Prime Minister gone. Be a big power shift. Could be. Uh, the intruder who uh, Garibaldi um, uh, managed to apprehend uh, wants to meet Garibaldi. Uh, he has a message, and it's from... Just like this message from another podcast right here on the ESO Network. Hey, Martha. What? Do you like nerd stuff? I do. And do you like adult beverages? I super do. <laughs> Well, then you should join us with a drink. With a drink! With a drink. Um, But first, let's talk nerdy. Clink! (laughs) On the ESO Network. We'll see you on Tuesday. Maybe next Tuesday. Maybe. Yeah, so the the message that uh, Garibaldi has got from the intruder is from... Hello, old friend. It's been a while. Ambassador Sinclair. Hello, old friend. Hmm. Have you seen I've grown a mullet? <laughs> yes. And uh, put on a little <laughs> bit of weight as well, which is probably not a bad thing. Hmm. But it's good to see um, uh, Sinclair back. I mean, you know, it's uh, Michael O'Hare's you know, come back to, to play the same character, you know, after leaving the show at the end of uh, the last season. But he's still managed to come in and do uh, you know, as, as much as he can here, really. Um, which is great. It means he, we haven't lost him totally, um, yeah, and, he, and he's he's a great he's a great character and a great um, actor as well. He was a great actor. Uh, so yes, it's good to see that they managed to get him back in. Uh, the intruder is a ranger, uh, the, and they basically they they patrol the frontier. They listen and watch. They are Sinclair's eyes and ears. Jacquard is brought up to date on Sector Fourteen. He, uh, quite understandably, yeah, gets very upset and uh, destroys his stone table. Styrofoam table. A styrofoam, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Sty- styrofoam. Yeah, styrofoam. Styrostone. Yeah. Styrostone, yeah. yeah. Also very TOS. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Very TOS. <laughs> yep. Uh, Jakar wants revenge and he goes uh, on the hunt for Malari. Malari! Malari! <laughs> uh, but uh, Sheridan manages to talk him down. Uh, the Emperor sees his first Vorlon, 
how's it going to end? What a question is you. You see your first roll on, the first thing you ask him is, how's it going to end? <laughs> is it, no, no, it's here. In fire. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you breathe in there? How do you eat? <laughs> how do you have sex? He also sees his last Vorlon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've seen them once. You've seen them all. <laughs> um, and uh, basically, Garibaldi brings Sheridan and Ivanova uh, up to speed on the shadows, whilst the Emperor is informed of the attack on Sector 14. He whispers to Malari to continue the attacks, to take his people back to the stars. Well, that's what Malari said he said. What he actually said was, he and Reefer will be damned. Malari refuses to let the non civilians leave the, co- the colony as he wants to retain them. Uh, sorry, wants to retrain them and retain them. Uh, Sheridan says that, the, the, uh, that they will send observers to watch what happens to the civilians. Malari doesn't want them, but they are being sent anyway. So eventually Malari agrees to let the civilians go and Shikar reveals that the Narns have declared war on the Centauri. The end. Yeah, almost. The Emperor's 14-year-old nephew um, takes over and basically he agrees with, with the aims of Malari and Rifa. Uh, Veer asks Malari if he wants to be Emperor. He says no, which in politician speak means yes. And right at the end, Delenn gets a message from an old friend. The end. The end. The end. There you go. A lot, as Dan said, a lot in that episode. Mm-hmm. Damn packed. Mm. So we have some trivia. The Centauri Emperor had no personal name in the script. But executive producer, JMS, was so impressed with the actor Turin Bay's performance uh, that he later named the uh, the character Emperor Torin in the man's honour. The cast so enjoyed uh, Torin Bay's performance that many were upset that his character was killed off so quickly. So executive producer JMS had Bay return three years later to, put, to play uh, Sek Terval, a Mimbari teacher. According to Babylon 5 canon, the ranger, Frederick, Lane actually had three message crystals, one for Garibaldi, one for Delenn, and a third which deposited a message into Catherine Sakai's account. The message to Sakai told her to come to see Sinclair on Minbar. A part of the message to Garibaldi that was not seen was Sinclair asking Garibaldi not to tell Sheridan what he was about to hear. Garibaldi later confirmed this when he told Sheridan that he gave his word not to reveal his informational source. Jakar shattering the stone desk to p- into pieces when he picks it up in a fit of rage and throws it on the ground was completely unplanned, but it emphasised the uh, and underscored what had just happened. He just learned of Quadrant 14's destruction, destruction, supposedly at the hands of the Centauri, uh, due to the importance of this episode in Babylon 5's overall story. Well, that's a bit of an annoyance, isn't it? He picks mm-hmm. so the actor picks up the you know this stone table, throws it on the floor, and breaks it. That was unplanned. Had they said, uh, we didn't quite get that. Um, could you do a second take on that? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> or or even worse, we were going to use that next week for this really important piece. Oh. <laughs> well, you'll see it you know, in a few weeks' time with some gaffer tape just underneath. It'll be perfectly fine. <laughs> There's a bit of wood across it nailed. <laughs> with 
ac- acme written across the wood. <laughs> that black and yellow hazard warning tape just all the way over it, just in case. Just yes. in case. Hey, Charles, been all over it. Don't worry. We'll do a risk assessment. You'll be absolutely fine. Michael O'Hare, Jeffrey Sinclair, and Durham Bay, uh, the emperor, died only two days apart. Uh, O'Hare on September the 28th, 2012, and Bay on September the 30th, 2012. Hmm. Sinclair's final sentence in his message to Garibaldi carries a double meaning. The sentence is, stay close to the Vorlon and watch out for the shadows. They move when you're not looking at them. Just like my cat. Garibaldi once told Sinclair that he didn't trust some, if he didn't trust someone, he had, he'd always stay close to them acting out the old saying, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Sinclair is telling Garibaldi that the Vorlons can't really be trusted and that both the Vorlons and the Shadows move secretly, often at the same time. Well, it'd be no good in the game of chess, would it? No. Oh, definitely not. Emperor Turin asks Kosh, how will this end? And Kosh replies, in fire. And that was, that was all he said in, in the whole episode. <laughs> and many viewers thought that this meant that Babylon 5 would be destroyed. In actuality, Kosh was re- referring to the scuttling of Babylon 5, as shown in the series finale, uh, Babylon 5 Sleeping in, uh, Sleeping in Light. After accomplishing its mission, Babylon 5 was no longer needed. Thank you, Phil. Uh, a couple of goofs. When Garibaldi pauses the message from Sinclair, the computer plays a tone to confirm the pause, and Sinclair's voice stops. But on the screen, Sinclair's, Sinclair's mouth is still moving. He's probably saying, don't, don't switch me off. Don't switch me off. No, he's switching me off. When Shikar is dictating his last wishes, the screen behind him shows the characters being written in Narn from left to right. Yet in the episode Messages from Earth, it is revealed that Narn is written from right to left. When Shikar throws the security guard to the ground, the impact causes one of the walls to visibly ripple, showing it to be a thin screen. I didn't see that. Uh, there are many. Uh, are there any Star Trek connections this week, Sean? As a matter of fact, we do have one. And that would be Malachi Throne, as a matter of fact, who played the Centauri Prime Minister in this episode. He's got, I guess you could say, three different things uh in the fan series star trek new voyages he played korog uh, in star trek the next generation unifications one and two he played senator pardak and in star trek the original series the cage slash menagerie he played the keeper as well as commodore mendez it's good though isn't it it's unusual to find somebody who's been in tos and one of the later series Yes. Uh, normally because the most actors at that time were quite old anyway and was, you know a few years later they probably would have passed away or not been bothered about acting uh but yeah i was pleased to see that he would uh, he'd not only been in the uh tos he'd been in the menagerie which is obviously one of the first um well on the cage as well so uh, the first episode so um yeah good to good to see him uh, popping up in in both episodes of star uh, both series of star trek definitely okay Ratings. Uh, we rate our uh, episodes, not our episodes, we rate the episodes of, of <laughs> Babylon 5 out of five jump gates because it's Babylon 5. And IMDb rates uh, the uh, episodes out of 10, and they have given it a 9.2, which is the highest that IMDb have given. 
Sean, what did you think of this episode? What is your rating? I think it is pretty fantastic. It's probably, if not the best, one of the best ones that we have seen so far. It's uh, filled with all kinds of plot and character development. Uh, we get to see Sinclair again. Jakar goes on a rampage. It's just a lot of good stuff. And I agree with the gods of the IMDb page. And I've been thinking about it since I watched it last night. And I am also going to give it a 4.5, which is a 9. That's very good. And that puts it at the moment, I think, as your best episode. Oh, alongside what's that one? Babylon Squared. Dan. Yep. Uh, there's so much in it. It doesn't feel like it's actually oversaturated. Like there's not too much in there that they didn't sort of wedge it full of plot and then forgot to add anything else into it. They, they went for it. They gave us backstory. They gave us uh, shadows. They gave us Centauri politics. Narns are now at war. Uh, just great character moments from Jakar and Malari. Um, just everything. And now we set up the Rangers and now we move on with even more intrigue and everything else is coming in as well. And it, like I say, it wasn't a chore to rewatch this and make any more notes as well. And that normally is a sign for me, whether it's good or not. So I already started at 4.5, but I think just, just, just as we've been talking about it, it's brought back such good fond memories of watching that episode. So I'm going to go 4.75. Wow. Yeah. That puts in your top 10. Yeah. Um, so far, because we've only done 30 episodes. So, um, yeah, very good. Okay. I, uh, where did I give it? I wasn't, um, well, I should give it a high mark, but uh, not as high as you guys. Um, I thought it was good. Like, as you say, it brings in all of the um, ingredients for what comes next. It sets out, sets everything up. Um, so, yeah, so, I, but I, I didn't sort of, I think it needed a bit of humour in there, but it's hard to find humour in in that sort of um, setting, I suppose. So I've given this a four point two five, which is uh, still in my uh, in my top ten. Uh, but I prefer I prefer a little bit more comedy. So this would have been higher if there'd been a um, a little bit more levity in it. But um, no, it's still good. Like I say, it's a very serious one. It's still got everything going for it. Um, Pretty good episode. Yeah, and, and it has the foreshadowing where uh, Malari sees the future, and we get to see that scene in a later season, and it's an important part of an episode, so it's it's just fantastic. The coming of shadows is foreshadowing. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good. Okay, so I believe that is the end of uh, this episode. Uh, join us next week when we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 10, Gropos. The past tempts us, the present confuses us, and the future frightens us. And our lives slip away, moment by moment, lost in that vast, terrible in-between. But there is still time to seize that one last, fragile moment. To choose something better, to make a difference, as you say. If you have any thoughts on this episode... Why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com? That's three spelled T H R E E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Now, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask.
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.